All right, let's let's begin. Um, so yeah, hello everyone and welcome. Thank you very much for joining us today for our third talk in the Cluster Market Lab Talk series. Um, so my name is Elisabetta and I work for Cluster Market as an account executive. Um, and yeah, for those of, the, uh, of you that don't know, um, Cluster Market is a lab equipment booking and management uh, software, uh, which helps scientists work better and more efficiently in the lab. Um, therefore, yeah, we work very closely with scientists every day from um, across uh, different research areas and uh, provide them with a good solution to speed up their research. And um, the aim of uh, our lab talks is really to engage with scientists and to produce a meaningful content for them. And uh, today we will be discussing how shared labs uh, can help uh, speed up research and development from the insights of our three uh, amazing panelists that we've got with us today. And uh, just a little bit about the uh, structure of today's talk. So we do have some topics and points of discussion to go through, uh, but uh, yeah, we will try to cover them all um, in the first, uh, first section of the talk and uh, leave also uh, 15 minutes or so at the end where um, if, you, if you listeners have any questions, you can submit them in the Q&A um, &A button at the bottom and we can go through them as well. Um, yeah, and would la would like to start by introducing our three panelists, uh, so that you know a little bit more about them, uh, who they are, and what they do. So, uh, with me here we have uh, Natalia Esler and Shai. Um, so Natalia is uh, she's got background in business and entrepreneurship and is a highly creative marketing specialist. Uh, she's a marketing director at ABI Lab, based in Massachusetts, United States. Um, and uh, we also have here Ursula. Uh, Ursula has um, background in physical anthropology and paleogenetics, um, as well as postdoc experience in wildlife and forensic science. Uh, she moved into genomics and um, uh, human health and is a senior scientist for Illumina Accelerator uh, based in uh, Cambridge, United Kingdom. And uh, yeah, Illuminate Accelerator is a shared lab that focuses on genomics and um, provides, uh, uh, provides uh, startups with uh, fully operational lab space, Illumina sequencing equipment, and um, also investment opportunities. And finally, we have here Shai, who is a highly multidisciplinary professional. He has background in law, scientific research, education, um, social activism and business. And he is a CEO of Biohouse uh, Shared Laboratory, which is based in Jer Jerusalem, Israel. Um, and yeah, Biohouse uh, uh, is a shared laboratory which provides um, lab and office spaces uh, to uh, biomed startups. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much uh, to our panelists for participating today. Uh, I'm sure you'll have some great knowledge uh, to share with us. And uh, I'm sure we've got quite a lot to talk about. So we, I think, should jump right in. Um, so I'd like to start by uh, asking, of course, uh, our panelists, what do you think are the, be the, be the best benefits of working in a shared lab? Um, so I don't know if Ursula, you, you would like to start and uh, take over. I, yeah, so I think very basic, we work with startup companies. So if you are a fairly small company, you're a young company, I think 
from a very basic perspective, it's cheaper. It can be cheaper if you have a shared lab space. You can share the equipment, especially equipment that you don't use on a daily basis. So if you have a QC equipment like a fragment analyzer, um, they're not cheap. Um, so having having a space where you can share or a sequencer. So if you have equipment that you can share that um, helps with the maintenance and helps just with the cost and even be, just being able to use it in the first place, uh, otherwise it's gonna kill your capex <laughs> before you start. Um, so that's really gonna be a benefit. I found personally one benefit can be um, uh, just troubleshooting basics. Uh, we with Discord had a problem with that people had problems with Covar sharing, so they're sharing. Um, and because it was two companies trying to share the DNA, essentially being able to troubleshoot from both for both researchers that sped up the process actually. So that's just on a on a on a lab perspective, really small. Being able to share equipment makes it cheaper. Being able to troubleshoot and just on a social level, being able to have a conversation and maybe bounce off some ideas is going to help as well. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Uh, completely agree. What what does everybody else think? Shai, do you do you agree? Do you have some additional points to share? Yeah, well, I really think the the pricing issue does take a lead, and uh, early stage entrepreneurs just trying to reach their first milestone will do anything to cut costs for the simple reason they do not have the money. Um, but I, I must say that if we are discussing, and we have a variety here of shared labs, uh, we do look at the added value, actually, of working in a co-lab uh, environment, other than cutting the costs, of course. And I think that, uh, I think that Ursula made a very good point here. Well, working in a community is, is actually a big, uh, a big added value for people starting off. Um, People that are not serial entrepreneurs and, and even those that have been there and done that have the uh, advantage of working side by side with other people, most likely doing projects in the same field, but not in the same area, not in the same, they're not chasing the same target. Everybody's IP based. It's very um, seldom to find someone actually chasing the same target as you and not being covered by the IP. So people are actually very comfortable to be able to consult and get some guidance and how did you deal with that hurdle and what did you do? Are you, are you comfortable with this supplier? Did you work with that kit? How did you troubleshoot this or that? Um, and specifically at Biohouse, we also made sure that it, this is coordinated, it's not only quote unquote working with peers, it's also working with someone on the, on the floor, people on behalf of Biohouse professionals that are not running a project next to, I think ABI can, can identify with this, having a professional team working with the startups uh, on behalf of the host is a big thing because you feel very confident, you're paying good money, uh, things that you can afford and, and you wanna get good value. So you really turn and you ask and you get referrals. And I think working in a community at large is actually very reassuring. So we can get into details a little later as to exactly how the equipment works, et cetera, and the obvious, the obvious advantages of that, but the community is a big thing. Yeah, that's a huge part for us, if I could jump in. You know, creating a vibrant community where everyone can collaborate and come together when, you know, maybe resources a little bit limited, maybe capital is limited. Um, at ABI Lab, we rent out private lab space, we have shared labs. Um, 
And so, you know, some, some of our tenants don't really have access to the flow cytometers, to Illuminex, to really, you know, costly instruments. So being able to give them access and kind of streamline their process and kickstart things into gear with allowing, um, you know, these instruments into the, into the shared lab really is such a benefit to all because they can all come together and have a, you know, shared space where they can, you know, banter and start conversation and like Shai was saying, collaborate and start more conversations around, you know, different things that they're working on, maybe not in the same, you know, exact scope, but um, very similar application. Yeah, it's amazing how much progress you can make next to the copy machine. Absolutely, yeah. Completely agree here. And uh, so what do you think are the main challenges uh, that uh, your tenants, both of your tenants uh, go through uh, to uh, working in a shared lab? Uh, maybe actually this, is, uh, this might be a good uh, time for, for you also to share what kind of companies are your tenants and if, if uh, kind of the research area actually plays a role, um, plays a role I, I guess on the challenges that you, uh, that uh, the tenants might experience, whether it's uh, sort of IP related or or not, um, yeah, uh, perhaps, yeah, uh, Shai, you can you can start uh, on this one. Sure, I'd love to. Um, I don't think the IP is a problem. I think that throughout the entire operation of Biohouse Labs, which is the shared labs you see here behind me, uh, we've had maybe one case where we actually told. Uh, a certain company that we would have to consult a potential competitor uh, regarding whether or not we would be comfortable uh, taking them in. We have responsibility towards the existing members before we take in new members. And it wasn't a problem at the end of the day, the company did not join for other reasons. But, um, but, but yeah, I don't think that's, that's a hurdle. Working side by side and having IP on your shoulders is pretty good. I think that the biggest challenges are actually coming from the same advantages of coming to the, to the shared lab, and that's the fact that it's shared. And so people are working on different projects. They have their pressure. They have, uh, they're working on a budget. They're working on a timeline, and they're sharing facilities. So as long as, you know, I don't need the chemical hood for more than, you know, making my solutions, that's good enough. If I have a setup if I wanna take up a, a piece of facility for, for quite a while, or if I'm even competing quote unquote for just general space, I brought in my new uh, real-time PCR that I wanna place here or my Lycor I wanna place there. And uh, actually I'm using the centrifuge in the afternoon and I know actually I booked it the other day. And you know, it's, uh, but if you run a shared space properly, these problems are actually solved even before they arise. And mostly what you will find is people uh, working in good atmosphere. Um, and I think the major differences you will find are the differences in personality. Get, you know, we say that if you get three people in a room, you have four opinions. And so it's not an easy thing to have when you, when you have different people working in the same place, no matter what they do. And I don't think it's any different in a shared lab space, but if you could mitigate, and, and this is all about staff. I mean, if you have the proper staff running the place, keeping and maintaining good relationships uh, with all of the companies, anything can be resolved. And I'll say, um, it's not always easy. Some members are easier than others. 
it's not always size related. It's not always weight related or, or budget related. It's personality related. It's always been that way and it always shall be. We have companies that uh, are doing mostly biopharma and some molecular diagnostics. So we have companies in the oncology space, in the bacterial space, um, doing some either diagnostics or therapeutics. We have a chemical company, a, a clean tech company that is purifying the air. We have, um, so cancer research, we said we actually have a very interesting company developing a new type of therapeutics, a totally new type of therapeutics. Um, it's chromatin related, not sequence, not DNA related. It's actually chromatin related, super, super interesting. So, um, and we've had ag tech companies come in and go out and we've had COVID-19 com related companies come in and go out. So it's actually kind of diverse. Our, our platform is very, uh, very flexible. We do anything from molecular, uh, molecular biology, microbiology, cell culture, um, basic chemistry and anything in between with a, with a general engineering aspect as well. So we pretty much get them all. And we even have cannabis companies looking to come in and we have to see how to work with proper regulations. Uh, never a dull moment. That sounds fascinating to have so many different uh, research areas kind mm -hmm. of in one space collaborating. Uh, very exciting. Um, so I'd, I'd love to also hear maybe input uh, from yeah, uh, Ursula and Natalia. Do you also have um, people, uh, companies from uh, very kind of uh, different uh, research areas or for example I know that uh, yeah in Illumina uh, companies mostly focus on genomics if uh, yeah um, uh, yes and no. So essentially, as long as you're somehow related, if you if you somehow related to genomics, uh, we're interested. <laughs> so anything from upstream to downstream. So um, this for the UK, this is our second cohort globally. This is our 12th cohort. Um, and so this year, for example, we have a, um, a microbiome company, Biotex from Israel. Uh, they are um, working on cancer. Uh, we have a company that does RNA actually um, analysis. Um, they are in the um, in the cardio space, for, uh, multiply from Argentina, and then we have Broken String, which is a tool company, and they essentially looking at um, off-target uh, strand breaks for CRISPR. Um, and then finally, we have a, a skincare company, Mitrabio, here from the UK. So we have this really diverse mix of companies. Um, so, so it doesn't have to be, they don't have to consider themselves a genomics company. Um, they're considering themselves oncology and pharma, pharma and, and um, um, therapeutics companies, right? So we have this mix of therapeutics and detection and other and if you are a software company we're going to have a software company next year for probably they will be um, welcome as well so essentially as long as this, if you imagine the entire stream from essentially library prep some sequencing data analysis anything along that line um, then that's that's interesting and so so I agree it's a lot of personalities we've had luck so far here in Cambridge um, each cohort seems to be slightly different, obviously depends on the people who come in, but uh, partly because of COVID, we had a very limited amount of people in the space, obviously. Um, and I agree, so having, having to share equipment can be a problem potentially, but so far it's been great. 
Thanks, cluster market. <laughs> um, also, if you only can come in on a on a on a scheduled visit, so if you have to book your, your lab visit, you want to be able to come in and know the equipment is free and you don't have to like stand there and wait for two hours because someone else is still using it. Um, so I think technically one of the problems could be um, so we have everyone has their own bench space, so cleaning up is not technically the issue. Obviously, cleaning equipment after you used it would be a problem, but it's been fine so far. Um, but yeah, so so a lot of it's just um, companies who don't work on the same stuff, especially this cohort, they're still helping each other because some of the techni techniques are the same and potentially you have the conversation of um, different tech learning from someone else and what, what other possibilities are out there, so. Yeah, I'd love to jump off that too. And it sounds like um, Karen from the audience also had like a yeah. an interesting topic there about um, laboratory safety, which is a kind of ties into the disadvantages here too. Is you know you have all these people. Abbey Lab has about um, a little over 200 tenants and 45 different companies spread between the two facilities. And so you know with the combination of the 20 small and large instruments in the shared lab, you're bound to come across as a tenant an instrument that you really maybe aren't so familiar with. So that can be a disadvantage, but there's lots of opportunities with cluster market too, to contact someone also, and it becomes an advantage, right? You see an instrument, maybe you don't really know how to use, but you see someone else on cluster market uses this instrument and you say, oh my gosh, you can reach out and say, hey, you know, is there a possibility that I can shadow you on this piece of instrument? Um, this also kind of ties in as well with you know, preventative maintenance and different, you know, breakdown situations and, you know, breaking down the instrument like the attune, you know, you need to, you need to run the cycles and everything. So really, you know, making sure all the instruments are properly maintained and, you know, with all these different users utilizing them so everybody can have an efficient workflow process is really key, especially for us as a shared lab. Yeah, can I just add to Natalia? So in terms of lab safety uh, that Karen asked, uh, what we do uh, specifically is we, everyone has to do a risk assessment. Everyone has to do their, um, their chemical assessment essentially. So we have certain parts that can be shared in terms of reagents. And then if you create liquid waste for, for our, in our case, mostly liquid waste, if you create liquid waste, um, you will have your own bin <laughs> just in case, unless we know it's the same library prep it's a very if it's same or if it's just not toxic it's fine but we've had cases in the past where it literally said in in the SDS sheet if if you mix this with sequencing reagents it will it potentially explodes so um we were like yeah let's so you have to be you just want need to have a review health and safety review in the beginning um understand what the company is doing when they come in if necessary have a separate waste stream um and um and also just be able to share. So if you if you have a CAT2 lab, what kind of organisms are you working with? So everyone who works in that specific lab needs to know if there are any potential risks. Um, do they need any vaccinations? Do they need to up their B vaccination, for example? So, so that's the downside of a shared lab, but that also means you have to work clean because it's a shared lab space, not just your space. Yeah, I'd like to argue that's actually an upside of a shared space because, you know, look at the alternatives. People probably, if, if you have the funds to set up your own lab and, you'll, and to run it without it actually hindering your 
your progress and meeting your milestones, let's make a sure bet that you would probably do that. So anyone would, that could opt for the private lab and, and have ample funds is there. So we're talking about people that don't. And so you have to look at their alternatives. And, and until today, you know, the, the share lab space concept, I think took roots about a decade ago. And before that, and still today, you'll see many companies and entrepreneurs, what will they do? They'll probably go and they'll sublease. If they don't find their way into academia, getting a bench here or a bench there, they will probably sublease in another company. And so their safety level and their safety standard is as good as their host. And that could either be too stringent and then it would be just like a bore, but it could be too lenient. And then you have a problem running your safety level in something that will not accommodate. When you enter a shared lab space, chances are that safety levels set by the host are high enough to be accommodating for anyone that is you know, worth their own safety values, number one, but it, it would not be too cumbersome and it would be fair enough to allow for different projects to actually work. And so you don't have to worry about it. Your neighbors will abide by the same standard as you and it's off your shoulders to A, make sure that you're up on that standard. It's the host's responsibility to make sure of this and B, you don't have to argue with your neighbor. I mean, you're either, you're either subletting from him and then what are you gonna say? You know, it's, it's take it or leave it. You don't feel comfortable with that. But here, no, you're as good as your neighbor. You're under the same standard. You feel very comfortable in the way you're working. And you know that if you submit a report regarding research that you performed in a shared lab space that upholds its own reputation, it's like, it's like a quality stamp for your work as well. And so you're actually, I'm good with this. I'm going to enter. I don't have to deal with it. All I have to do is fill in the, you know, fill in the blanks. They know what my chemical list is. They know what I'm doing. And I, I can focus on my work. So I, I actually see, see this as one of the upsides of what we're doing. Um, he's responsible, I'm quiet. That's some really interesting points. Um, yeah, really, really good uh, insights. So another point that I wanted to discuss today and hear some of your thoughts is um, kind of that it is a common, obviously, concept that um, it is mainly the startups and uh, smaller biotech companies that are would that would be interested in being part of a shared lab. Um, yeah, do you think bigger pharma and bigger biotech could also benefit of uh, of uh, using a shared lab, um, or do you think a kind of when you do uh, get in, uh, to a certain point of uh, to a certain size of your company, it's time to go and set, set up your own. And, and if, if that is the case, when do you think that point is? Um, so maybe Natalia can, can start with this one. So personally, the, the type of companies that we see um, use, the, use our lab, our shared lab currently, are you know, either pre-seed or you know, they've gotten Series A, Series B, and so when we kind of get to these larger companies as we move along, you know, these corporations and they're growing and they're expanding, shared labs make sense, you know, um, because there's an opportunity for collaboration. And so I think, you know, there's always value in being able to collaborate among, you know, your, your fellow residents. And so, but I do believe at some point there, there would become a time where you know the shared lab experience kind of for us really bridges the gap for our residents 
in the place and time that they are right now in their growth trajectory, and it makes sense for them. And so, you know, where they are in their stage, maybe they can't really, you know, make the means to purchase two attunes or a And so right now we're that, we're that solution in this moment. And so I can definitely see as time moves on though, that you know, a shared lab may not be an option when you talk about IP. You talk about um, all these different, um, I wouldn't say disruptive, but it may be of concern as you grow. I actually, I actually encountered uh, quite exotic situations with large companies. It turns out that if you are, and obviously no names, but if you're running a public, publicly traded company and you have a large facility and you're running you know, the activities the, that are on your agenda, et cetera, but you, have, uh, you, you, you wanna take something off. You wanna have like a spin-off company and you wanna run something and test it and see how well it's doing. And the people that are doing it are doing it off chart. So um, this type of activity cannot take place in the general facility of the company. And they will go out and again, until today, they would either sublet or you know, partner with someone and fund it somehow and find a way to do things just behind the curtains. But when you have a shared space, this is very much on the table. You set up a, you set up a bona fide spinoff the, the owners are whoever they are. The owner can actually be the, the original company and an IP is developed uh, on the side. The platform is on the side. This is not on the books. They find a way to kosherly do it not on the books. And, um, and actually projects can be taken off the official, uh, the official road. Sometimes by the way, it's also because uh, the standard of operations within the major facility, the general facility, are too high for an R&D project that needs to be quick and dirty for a question to be answered and then to make a decision whether or not to pay, put bigger funds into uh, a certain project that could be taken uh, in, on the general facility. So that's one time. And the other time that you will meet larger companies is simple operational considerations. So we have a, a company that's post series A. By far, they had enough company to set up their own facility set their own ground rules. They're coming in with a big team and still, when they look at what they have in front of them, the timeline and the milestones they have to meet, they made a simple calculation that entering an existing facility that is running, that is regulated, uh, is cheaper, even for a two-year lease. And this is when, when the money starts to play these funny games of the CapEx is way, it's, it's coming back, you're already running on your same facility and still it made sense on the books. So these are two interesting examples where I find larger companies, even the big corporates, just they don't want to stay on their own place. They want to go out. Ursula, do you have any any points as well to add to that? No, I, I agree. Is a big company. I agree. Well, yeah, but I agree with Chai actually on that one. That that's um, I think that's a really good approach um, to just if you want to quick and dirty spin quick and dirty it sounds really terrible in the lab environment um so yeah no i think i i think chai has put it really well that you just mm -hmm. have some space so the previous lab i did we uh went uh to a, um 
to an accreditation. And so if you have an accredited lab, there's things you can't do anymore. So yeah. sometimes yeah. you just need that separate lab and just make it nice and clean and be able to be super creative and work off protocol. And also just if we talk about what we talked about in the beginning, being able to communicate, having those ideas over coffee, right? Or just standing next to each other, waiting for the centrifuge and just like bouncing off ideas. Um, that just might be what you need for your new project. So um, there might be actually an advantage of going somewhere else for a bit and having like a lab sabbatical essentially. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I just, um, I'm going to tie that in. Uh, actually, I'm not sure it's going to tie in, but there was a question on um, Lauren, from Lauren asking about how people, how to follow rules, or what, what to, to do with people without being lab police. And my comment on that is essentially, I think the important part is just status standard at the beginning, communicate very clearly what the expectation is. Um, so f as an example, essentially, we had this year, we're talking about in terms of COVID, I, we told everyone that you are each other's bubble. You're each other's essentially, you're responsible for each other's safety. You're all in the same lab. If we have to lock down, everyone goes. Um, so, so I think just setting expectations from the beginning and what we actually do is we have lab meetings, even though they're all separate companies, we have a lab huddle on Wednesdays, just really quick checking in how everyone's doing and trying to create that community um, so that everyone feels responsible essentially. Um, and uh, the problem is if, if someone just constantly ignores the rules, you might just have to ask him to take a break and go home, <laughs> think about it. Um, because yeah, if, if it's a lab in, in the end, you might be endangering everyone else's work and your own work. Yeah, yeah we, we found that. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, I was saying with, with cluster market, if we in, in come into issues with a particular user, it's really great because there's traceability there. Who's using the instrument and when are we seeing those issues? And we can, you know, trace it very, very quickly and it becomes, you know, we can just mitigate the situation. Yeah, I think this actually ties into a question that Karine asked. Um, how do you handle la laboratory safety and have uh, have your tenants uh, follow same procedures and rules as well? So I guess that kind of answers that question as well. Um, be quite strict, strict with them. <laughs> um, so one thing, yeah, I wanted to ask as well, you mentioned that uh, some uh, bigger, sort of bigger farmer, they set up a quick project and sort of uh, pop into a shared lab, uh, sort of not, uh, I guess, um, uh, without, I guess, uh, sort of telling everybody about it. Uh, what is the normal kind of lease, I, I guess, for a company? How, sort of, uh, do you have companies that stay in a shared lab with you for sort of years, or is it more like months? Uh, is it completely different? Yeah, sort of, uh, um, if, every, if anybody has a, has a good answer on that. So just really quick, we have a six month tenure. Um, you come in for six months and then you have to go. As much as we love you, <laughs> we will have to ask you to leave after six months because the next cohort comes in. Um, yeah, at, um, at ABI, we have the private suite, so they have that option, but they have the shared option, the shared lab that both buildings can use. 
but we only do one year leases. Um, you can extend, of course, you know, if, they, if we want to do five years, we could do that. Um, but we're not government funded as well. So sometimes when you have those government funded um, biotech incubators, they actually put um, timeline on how long you can actually be at the facility. But, um, you know, I, I think some things, you know, times can be unpredictable. Things can be unpredictable at times. And if you, you know, enjoy your time here at ABI, we, we'd love to have you and have you be part of our family. So we um, happily extend most leases to our current residents. Yeah, it's very similar with us. We have private suites as well and, and, and open space benches. So that's a suite and those are benches. And, uh, and, and we're, we're a private organization as well, just like Abbey Lab. And so there are no uh, limitations. We opened actually uh, almost two years ago and we've had several companies that are with us from the opening and they're still with us, uh, both in benches and in labs. Uh, and some companies that have joined have signed two and two and a half year leases, uh, while others have signed six months leases, which is our bare minimum. It's really funny to do something less than, it would be, we've had shorter leases, but they were very, very uh, niche projects that we authorized. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense uh, because companies do go from milestone to milestone. They don't really go by a general timeline. And so we know that a company can enter for say an eight month uh, project and then they will either extend or they'll even grow. They'll move from two benches into a private lab and then sign off for another year and a half because the funding is accordingly, the milestones are according. Um, and I think location also plays a very important part here. We're located in a, in a campus in a medical academic campus, the Hadassah and Khan campus here in Jerusalem. And many of the people that enter are early stage entrepreneurs that come out of academia. And so they're, they're actually, many of them are doing proof of concept. So they'll, be, they'll still be finishing off their postdoc or something and they're already setting up a company. And they know that, you know, we're gonna see four or five months, let's see how this works. All of a sudden, boom, there's two other people joining and, and they're running forward and they got money. And, um, so we just go with the flow. I mean, you know, humble, humble servants of the real deal. Yes. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, my next uh, question was actually um, regarding how the location uh, plays, plays a part here. So, um, yeah, I think we're seeing um, a lot that U.S., the, uh, the US actually adopted the, the shared labs concept a lot more than um, in Europe, for example. Sort of, uh, do, you, do you have any, any ideas uh, on why this might be the case? Is it because there's just more sort of larger funding ground there? And for example, in Europe, um, more shared labs are funded by larger companies like uh, Illumina, AstraZeneca, for example. And yeah, of course, Shai would uh, be interested to hear your perspective as well on um, how that's how the, the concept of shared labs is different in Israel, for example, compared to uh, United Kingdom or uh, the United States. Uh, I'll just say that we, um, I don't even know if it's naturally, but we uh, in fact adopted the American format of shared lab space. Uh, that's what we went to see and study. And I was in touch with Lab Central uh, in another position way before. So I, I've known the model for quite a while. Actually, I've got to know the Lab Central model because they came to Israel uh, looking into setting up shop here about seven years ago. And that's 
the first time I heard about how this thing actually works. I, I don't know why Europe wouldn't adopt uh, that model. I'm, I'm sure that Ursula can have more to say about that. But um, I think Israelis have been following American standards of operations more than the European for quite a while in biomed at least in many different aspects. And I think that, um, and, and I don't know if I can explain that. I think it's more of a cultural thing. Um, but I, I gotta say that the shared, the American shared lab format to me, it just makes a lot of sense. And I, I can't seem to wrap my head around why Europe would not adopt it. I mean, it's very straightforward. The, the numbers are the same numbers. The need is the same need. So either alternative platforms are much more abundant in Europe than they are in the States. And maybe one could argue that the European scene is more comfortable to operate in informally. And so they do uh, rather than the States where everything is just a little more um, paved. Um, uh, but that would just be a speculation. I, I really am interested to hear what uh, Ursula has to say about that. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I suspect, that, so some of it is money. Um, and then uh, just, I suspect there's, there are cultural differences. So I can just draw, if you look at it, from what we've seen, for example, a lot of companies. So in the US, academics are more happy to like leave academia for a bit, start a company, start three, come back. In Europe, you don't leave academia. <laughs> like, you just don't. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, people do, and they're happy when they leave. So, for all the participants, there is a lot, it's not the dark side. <laughs> um, but essentially, there is there, there, there seems to be that reluctance to leave a lot more. There's a lot more safety. Um, so, so, entrepreneurship often is, feels very different. Um, so it's a money, it's a cultural thing. Um, and then I think it's just coming. It's coming now. Um, only because we haven't done it yet doesn't mean. And, and there are shared lab spaces here around Cambridge and, and London, right? So, so we have shared lab spaces, just potentially not that many yet. Um, mm -hmm. And Natalia, do you, do you have any thoughts on why that might be the case as well from the US? Uh, I mean, I think Ursula kind of hit it really on the nail on the head there. She I think there's like some cultural differences and, you know, I think entrepreneurship is always, you know, celebrated and sorry for, for a second. Sorry. Um, so I think that also, you know, we've got a lot of places within the United States too that are hubs of biotech. So we've got San Francisco, you've got Chicago, you've got Boston. And so we've got these really vibrant places of biotech and you see that these these co-working these shared labs are popping up like really um really quite a lot and um I think that you know it's just they're just following location going back to the location piece too is location is really quite crucial in where these shared labs are placed as well um you know in my area in Metro West where ABI lab is you know you know, we're really trying to extend and rethink kind of what the hub of biotech is starting to mean. And, you know, Cambridge and Boston, that's like, you know, that's it. So we're trying to really rethink what that means and extend it out a little bit farther. So the opportunity. Oh, no. 
I think she might be having some connection issues. Natalia? She is there for other people as well, so just kind of going off of that. Sorry. Hi, I froze again, sorry. Yeah. That's not a problem. If you, uh, uh, if you could just uh, sort of repeat a little bit about what you said, because uh, yeah, there's been some connection issues. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm really having like a lot of connection issues right now. Um, sorry, I think, I think we're good now. But so I was saying that, you know, um, we're rethinking what it means to be part of those, those really biotech hubs. And I think that, you know, as we extend and we start developing these areas, where there's communities and um, we're creating like a Kate, like a Kendall Square and, and where we are is like providing opportunities for, you know, all these different shared labs and, you know, our tenants, so. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, yeah, so um, as a startup, where do you actually find shared labs near you? Um, is there kind of like an easy solution for, for um, yeah, potential startups? Uh, where they can find a shared labs that they can join, obviously, apart from uh, kind of just Google. Um, do, do, does anybody have any thoughts on that? You mean phys like physically in Israel, where would you go and find lab space if you were a startup? So I think there's, um, it's a pretty good uh, distribution throughout the country. Um, we have about four, four and a half uh, platforms uh, here in Israel, and they're evenly distributed between the big biotech centers. So Jerusalem is, is Israel's leading uh, biotech scene, and there are two uh, platforms here in Jerusalem. One of them is ours, and the other was actually established before us, and I, I had the honor of, of co-founding it as well. It's called the BioGive, and it's actually a uh, university department. It's, it's part of the Hebrew University. Uh, and so it's, it's also government funded. And so yes, they have, they have time limitations. You can't stay more than two years, et cetera. And they're in the other university campus here in the city. So that's two. In the Rehovot area, we have a competitor uh, called Darren. They have a different format. They do not use shared facilities the way we do. They more took a large space and cut it up into different labs. So you'll basically have a, uh, a private lab and, and they will give you your uh, equipment for lease in that lab. So they'll kind of like tailor make a private lab for you. And they have a small shared facility, but it, it doesn't work quite as, uh, as, as we work ours. And then we have another competitor in the Northern part of the country, which is a lot more similar to us. Uh, they're called CoLab Square. Uh, they're about half the size of Biohouse Labs. Uh, they're fully booked. They're full, they're absolutely private, uh, like Dallin Labs. And, um, very cool team, very strong in community. They really remind us how we uh, are working. But again, I think because of the size, they work just, just a little different than us. I think the if you wanna work the way Biohouse Labs work, you really need to have a critical mass. Uh, you have to buy equipment and cater services to a certain amount of companies or more. Otherwise you just can't meet that type of infrastructure and we did. I think we built the smallest facility we would imagine to build and again, Collab Square is half that. So, so they work a little differently, but all wonderful people really heavily into biotech. I love in each, each and every one of them. And, um, and so, yeah, I think for the size of the country, it's quite a bit. I mean, it's quite a few platforms to have working here. Um, the States is obviously, 
I think Abbey Labs, I think I was there at Abbey Labs, a wonderful place. And I think Natalia, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, one part of the reason that you chose your location is that you were the place to go when you're not in Boston. So you're like, when you're out there, so you don't have a lot of competition around you. Yeah, we have about one other biotech sort of incubator near us. Um, we're really the only private lab suites available in, in Massachusetts, as far as I know. Um, but so I, I, I suspect, though, that people will soon follow suit with that one. So. Sounds good. Um, Ursula, do you have sort of any anything to add on that? I know that um, Illumina Accelerator as well uh, is also, um, I believe, is headquartered in the uh, San Francisco. Yeah, so Illumina Accelerator is in the Bay Area, uh, in Foster City. So just 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 south of San Francisco. Um, which is, so they had Illumina headquarters in San Diego, so that's a bit further away. I'm just gonna mention that because here in Cambridge, um, our European headquarter is in Cambridge, um, uh, just outside Granta Park. And so for us staying in Granta Park made a lot of sense. So we can actually walk over <laughs> in the next building. Um, so we're far enough away to be separate, to be not too corporate, but we're close enough. Uh, in terms of where you would wanna go from as a startup company, so we have Babraham next door, which is a really great shared space. Um, and also some mid-sized companies uh, and then um, we have a few research parks here around the area and then more supported space, potentially bioincubator in Oxford and then we have White City in London, which is also a very coveted space. And I got to go there and obviously cluster markets there <laughs> just upstairs, just remembered. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so we have some space and there's very different, a lot of our companies are looking for space right now for September and October. And, some of their complaints, oh, Stevenage has one as well. So um, one of the problems there is always that the equipment's missing. So they give you bench space, but they don't have any equipment <laughs> except for a freezer. And that's that's not always working. So you need to be careful um, in terms of what you can afford and where you can go. Um, Makes sense. So I guess uh, being close to sort of a research park or a cluster, scientific clusters is really quite, quite important. Uh, yeah, because they often have that bench space already built out, right? So not having to refurbish a space and building an actual physical lab saves you already a lot of money. So um. makes sense. Um, sounds great. So yeah, my next question is, uh, <laughs> as much as we I'm sure are all tired of uh, talking about it and uh, want to move on with our lives. But uh, I, I have to ask um, about uh, sort of how COVID uh, 19 changed uh, the way uh, shared labs operate. So I know you sort of touched upon that already a little bit, but if you can expand, if if there's been sort of any issues that you that you uh, came sort of yeah came by uh, uh, during the pandemic, or it's or if it's actually kind of opposite that uh, it's it's better to be in a shared space during during the pandemic. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's better to be in a shared space, but being in a lab per se is wonderful because A, even on the, the worst lockdowns, labs kept working, biotech never stopped. And uh, just coming to work here was, was very straightforward and everybody did it. The problem with labs, with shared lab spaces is the lab police effect. 
and everybody knows exactly how the biology works, even if they think different than the person next to him who obviously knows nothing about biology, even though he got a PhD at the same university. And so you find people um, debating whether or not this mask or that mask is relevant or irrelevant to be worn in this room or that room. So it's really something new to fight about in a shared space. But putting that aside, the bickering aside, um, it really gave a safe haven for people doing the work and it kept all of us pretty sane. And we were very grateful to have this job that lockdown or no lockdown, we were out there uh, doing work and that was, that was excellent. Yeah, we had, I think that's actually good. So I was locked down in the first lockdown just because the lab wasn't finished yet. We didn't open until July. But uh, so we had a tiny bit of delay because the builders had to delay their work as well. But um, we, someone actually said to me the other day, we think the lab's cleaner when everyone wears a mask. So contamination has gone down, <laughs> potential contamination. Um, so it's like actually a good point, but uh, we had uh, very clear rules from Illumina as a company uh, in terms of occupancy. We have a booking system. So until recently, our capacity was seven people instead of 25. Um, so only lab people were allowed in essentially everyone whose office stays at home. Um, we were now able to up the numbers a bit in the last couple of weeks to 12. So it's still mostly just lab people and one or two other people, support people are allowed to come in and just to keep the control for now. Um, uh, it's working. It's working well. People are really glad that they can work. <laughs> really, people who are in the lab are glad. Um, so that was the big pressure this year, essentially keeping the lab space open. That was partly why we made it so strict that everyone um, kept safe uh, so that because those startup companies that are trying to start a company for a lot of them everything relies on this so starting while you're in a pandemic and then being able to have lab space to finish your project um, was actually really crucial and everyone was very aware of that the entire time being able to have that support um, have that lab space have that um, so now that we have more of a reagent issue because of the pandemic and everything but Otherwise, just having that space, being able to home it. Everyone has been uh, incredibly um, responsible, I think. So we had no issues in terms of people not wanting to wear masks or, well, we had one, but that was fine. So we were able to manage with everything and it was fine so far. And um, we have made it very clear that people should come and talk to us if they don't feel safe. Um, so even if we up the numbers, if we change mask rules, the important part is that everyone feels safe. And the important part is that everyone coming back or everyone being here might have a different sensibility on what feels safe right now. So it's important to talk about that. Sounds good. And what about uh, in the yeah in ABI labs in the United States, Natalia, did you have a similar sort of experience? Yeah, similar to Shai, I mean, everybody was really just thankful and happy to be, you know, biotech really didn't stop for us over here as well, naturally. Um, and we found that everybody was generally really, really respectful of their space. Um, the mask policies, our mask policy actually recently just changed for our residents um, just a few weeks, just a few weeks ago. So, you know, we're all adjusting and um really just trying to be respectful of other, your com their comfortability and, you know, not pushing out the mask policy, you know, getting rid of that too soon, just to make sure everybody, like Ursula was saying, a lot of, you know, um, 
early stage entrepreneurs, you know, their signs is the early stage is so important and critical. And so to not be disrupted by, you know, um, naturally, I mean, of course, you're going to be a little disrupted by the pandemic, but um, just trying to mitigate any sort of risk and um, conflict in the lab as possible. And we really, we really didn't see that. Um, we put, you know, maximum capacity within the shared space, um, you know, masking necessary and things like that. But we, we really didn't have any issues running, ongoing issues, conflicts, anything like that. And it was, it was really wonderful. Sounds great. Yeah, one of my final questions is um, from your, uh, your experience, what do you think um, does uh, the future of uh, uh, shared labs um, look like, I guess, in different uh, areas of the world? Do you think we'll sort of have, do you think we will see the same rise um, like with uh, co-working spaces, for example, that we see kind of in most big cities right now. Um, I personally I hope so, because I'm a big fan of that, actually. Um, I like the idea, um, being able to share, um, but I'm also a social person, so. We present Biohouse as a company, um, no matter where. Uh, our presentation starts off with a slide that describes the community revolution, and it gives examples from the world of office space, transportation, and tourism. And I'm sure that each of you, you can all imagine the logos we put at the bottom, uh, using uh, platforms to provide professional services to a defined community. And that's the idea, the underlying idea of Biohouse. So not only do we believe that we're going to see more and more of these, <laughs> We're going to be the ones putting them on the map. So yes, we are. We're very convinced that using shared facilities in many areas, including biotech, is the future. I, I totally agree. I think we're all seeing the benefit of it, and um, I think that kind of outweighs the risk. The the small list of risks that we have here. I think it. I think it really balances it all out. That sounds great. Well, we've had a very interesting discussion here today. Um, so yeah, thank you very much uh, to the three of you for some uh, incredible insight into the conversation. Uh, it's been yeah really interesting to learn uh, how shared labs yeah can speed up R and D from your perspective and your experience. Um, and of course, thank you very much everyone for joining us and for sticking around. We hope uh, you enjoyed our lab talk today. Um, as mentioned, yeah, if you have any further questions, please reach out to us. Um, if we didn't answer some of the questions um, as well, we uh, will make sure we'll, we'll get to you uh, definitely and um, yeah, make sure to answer them. Um, and that will be all for, from us. Um, we hope you have a, a great rest of your day and uh, thank you very much for, for joining us and listening to us. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.